You know, we want to welcome everybody here. You know, obviously, obviously, obviously. That's right. I got Dave here. Uh, I, I think that... You know, we want to welcome everybody here. Speaking of that, speaking of that... Celinda. You know, we want to welcome everybody here. Everything all at once? Everything all at once. It's honestly a sensation. Aliens listen to it. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hello. Hello, faithful intergalactic listeners and everybody in Erie, Pennsylvania, too, that came to check us out today. Um, we're super excited. We had a great show. Me and Dave are here with uh, Tess Foley, owner and operator of Eat Your Yard. Tess Frawley, actually. Frawley? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Excuse me. I'm so, I apologize. Okay. It's Irish. Irish. Mm-hmm. Irish. Nice. Good. There's a lot of Irish people around here. Mm-hmm. Here's yeah. an Irish town. Polish Irish and too. Polish town. Polish. Yeah. For I'm, sure. I'm very Polish. Very Polish. Very Polish. Me as well. <laughs> so we're super excited to hear to have you here today, and we really were interested. I met you a couple of years ago at a nature walk that our friend was hosting, and uh, we were learning about different plants in the area that we could eat and forage for and stuff like that. And I learned a little bit about what you were doing. And could you tell um, us and your listeners a little rundown of Eat Your Yard and uh, what you do, the kind of services you provide? Sure. So I chose the name Eat Your Yard because I figured it was pretty straightforward. I love the name, by the way. I do, too. Thank you. I still get asked questions like, oh, what do you do? Like, am I going to be out eating grass or are you going to teach me how to eat? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So the idea behind my business is to help people grow their own food in their yards. Um, Everything from annual vegetables and fruits to herbs and flowers, and also to integrate uh, some insect and pollinator habitat and wildlife habitat and just overall beautify uh, gardens, yards and gardens. And I have a lot of experience in agriculture, so sustainable organic farming and gardening, and I decided to bring that to where people are so that they could experience basically the freshest vegetables, produce possible. Um, So I help people design their garden spots and install them and then also maintain them on a regular basis. Uh, So I have monthly subscription program where I go into people's yards and tend their gardens. I weed and harvest and they get to keep all of the the food. So um, yeah, it's it's year three of my business and I've helped quite a few people around town just who are interested in growing their own food and really passionate about that. Um, I helped them learn the process and figure out how to do that in their space. There's like a lot of cool stuff going on in there. How did you get interested in this? You said you had a lot of agriculture experience before you got into it. What were you doing before your yard? Well, I had quite a few different jobs throughout the East, uh, different farms. I started in Erie with the Mercyhurst University Sustainability Farm. Uh, that was out in Girard, and then we moved the entire operation to Northeast uh, the second year that I was there. So I kind of fell into it by chance. Um, but I really I gravitated towards food production uh, because I was interested in that and um, interested in healthy living and just really wanted to have a more intimate relationship with my food. Have you always been a gardener? 
No, actually. Growing up, I had no experience. No one in my family... Well, I guess I should take that back. My grandma was always an avid gardener, but not food production so much. Uh, she didn't grow up growing her own food, so it was more ornamental stuff. So um, she has a nice garden spot. Uh, a delightful chaotic profusion is what my grandfather called it because it, she just kind of let it go grow wild and That's very what woodsy I got feel. Going on. Yeah, yeah, which has so many benefits. Um, I guess I tend more towards the. Um, kind of manicured look nowadays because that's what a lot of people prefer. But right, right. Uh, if I had it my way, I would just be overrun with uh, everything. food forest. Yeah, everything, yeah. anything. That, that's <laughs> what I'm trying to accomplish in our backyard right now is kind of just letting, I have a bunch of plants grow, growing that are starting to spread a little bit and I really just hope it gets overrun and I have flowers everywhere all through my backyard. Uh, my family was a bit of my mom like grew up on a farm and a lot of my aunts and uncles and stuff seem to have a green thumb. However, I absolutely cannot grow anything to save my life. But stuff is still growing, stuff right? Stuff is still growing. Right. So you must be doing something it's, right. It's fueled by negligence, I think. But that's okay too because that's how nature operates, right? Yeah. When the left, left to its own devices, yeah. Nature knows what it's doing. It doesn't quite, quite need human intervention, but that can be fun sometimes too. Yeah. yeah. Definitely to change stuff up and whoever did our garden really knew what they were doing because I have flowers like all year round and that really impresses me. Mm, mm -hmm. You know, they the like time timed staggering. it out and yeah. arranged it and all that stuff. So you moved from Mercyhurst, from Gerard to Mercyhurst Northeast. And when did you actually start um, offering this service to other people? That's a good question. There was quite a bit of stuff in between the Mercyhurst work and starting the business. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you said you were traveling and going on different farms. Were those yes. like farms that you live at and stuff? Yes. Mm -hmm. On site uh, with a bunch of other interns. I worked at a farm in Michigan. And it was just one of the most glorious summers of my life, yeah. working alongside fellow interns and really bonding with them over our work and our shared passion. That, seems, land. Like, that seems like a really cool way to kind of travel around and be nomadic for a while. Yes. Yeah. And it was a good looking back. It was a good transition for me, um, you know, just starting out on my career path and trying to get a feel for what I really wanted to do right. and just building that experience and knowledge of growing and learning so much. I mm -hmm. mean, just like a sponge, I was absorbing everything I could um, so, from farm managers and owners, just out in the community, attending workshops and seminars and listening to podcasts. I was just like eating it up literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I bet all the farms probably have a little bit different styles too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like a farm in Michigan would probably be a lot different than a farm in California. South Carolina or California right. or anything like that. Right. And I also worked on a farm down in Georgia and it was very different because we could do year-round growing down mm -hmm. there and we had different season extension techniques so and, and we could grow different stuff um, like persimmons and um, trying to think of what else would peaches be peaches, peaches yeah yep, yep. pomegranates yeah. yeah so that was a lot of fun and just getting to experience so many different ways of farming and um, so the farm in Michigan was more production based. Uh, it was 25 acres that we were cultivating. So it was very like that's a huge uh, yeah like get the crops in, get them out, get them to market, and um, so it was a very like quick turnover. Mm -hmm. And then down in Georgia, it was a little bit more slow paced. And I find the culture of the South to be very hospitable in that way anyway. Yeah. Um, but it was more 
permaculture based. I don't know if you've heard of that term before. Permaculture. So that's like they should be able to keep growing these things all year round and they kind of work in some sustainability things, right? To yeah. keep the soil nutritious and mm-hmm. the fruits growing or vegetables or whatever. Right. Yeah. So it's very much conscientious of the whole process of growing and also trying to meet human needs without being so damaging to the environment. Um, so yeah, replenishing the soil, having different guilds growing together, um, a lot of perennial crops that keep coming back year after year, uh, and just kind of seamlessly integrated with with every human need. So you know, we were growing medicine, we were growing things for just pure beauty, we were growing lots of food, we were growing stuff for our chickens. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything had like a purpose within this whole system. That's, um, yeah, yeah, that's definitely huge. Uh, I know I did some work with, uh, it was more on the civic side, but like the UN sustainability. Oh, cool. Uh, we called it the uh, sustainability series at Barron, but I got to learn a ton of stuff about, you know, how important it is to, you know, make sure that, that the environment around us is is sustainable just to, to provide and, and keep everything going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. and it all, it's it's really beautiful and magical, I think. I don't know if magical is the right word for everybody. <laughs> when, it, when it just like when the cycle just fits together so seamlessly, you know. Yes, and absolutely. everything's used and has a benefit, and all of all of the things just fit together nice in a cohesive unit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, did you ever? You mentioned like I'm sure in Michigan, like obviously they're not growing a whole lot in the winter unless Correct. without like greenhouses and stuff right. like that. Right. Yeah, we had a couple of hoop houses and one day we strapped on snowshoes to walk out there down the uh, So what slope. is a hoop house? Oh, a hoop house is like a greenhouse. I mean, if you can picture a hoop, mm-hmm. it's it's plastic covering hoops of really any size, but these were pretty long, like maybe 50 feet so long, like half 10 a hoop. feet tall. Yes, half a hoop. Yeah. But they're called hoop houses. Okay, right. cool. Mm-hmm. And they're not heated necessarily. Well, it's passive solar heating. Mm-hmm. So a greenhouse might be fuel, like, um, sorry, heated through with fuel or something like that. Right. Yeah. That seems, I feel like I wouldn't trust that to stay warm enough. Yeah, in this climate. So we had spinach and kale growing in these hoop houses. Mm. They, I mean, they kind of go dormant in the winter, but they're still freshly green so you can Mm -hmm. still harvest from them but they're not really growing very fast okay yeah through the winter do you use do you do any hoop housing or greenhouses for your people around here i have not really gotten into that Uh, i think they might require a little more maintenance than i'm ready for Mm -hmm. um i i would love for clients to really get on board with that and be engaged with it so that they could maintain that through the winter um it also can be kind of, uh, I don't know, if it's done right, it can look nice. Mm-hmm. But I, I know that in the city, you're not really supposed to have big structures like that, uh, maybe on a smaller scale. Yeah. Um, but I think it would take a little bit of trial and error to really get it right. And so every landscape that I work with is different. And um, yeah, I think that might be the next evolution is how do we grow stuff in Erie through the winter? Do you think do that people need that on a personal level, though? need it on a personal level like well (laughs) Uh, like growing through the winter yeah like i feel like if i had like tomatoes and stuff like that or any time that like my family has grown anything we end up with so much stuff that we have no idea what to do with and it just gets like wasted or compost can it and you know put the preservatives in it to keep it going 
Right. Right. Like mm-hmm. salt in the meats type of thing. Exactly. You know? I mean, mm-hmm. you got to can it and put it away, but I still feel, at least for me on a personal level, I feel like I'd run out of space or run out of the need to continue to grow all year round. Oh, I see what you're saying. A lot of people request greens through the winter, mm-hmm. which you can kind of keep growing. And even growing indoors under grow lights or in a sunny window, like you can still harvest greens through the winter. But yeah, I, I agree. Once you have enough to sustain yourself through the winter, if you're preserving foods, then yeah, you, you only need so much you know, right. for feel, the next growing season. I feel like it'd be locational. Like I feel like, uh, you know, there's some big food deserts in Erie mm-hmm. so you know the more uh, urban I feel like you wouldn't have as much of like a, a you know a problem of uh, privilege I guess of you know having enough out, food having enough food or worrying about running out mm-hmm. especially in the winter when it gets like cold and snowy and it's harder to travel around right mm-hmm. do you yeah, do meeting do, that basic need do you do or are most of uh, your spaces urban or do you have more people out in the the counties or is it a good mix um i guess i'd say more out in the counties more suburban than urban but some urban and i would love to grow in every nook and cranny like that's kind of my vision is just to take over the city with useful plants and and beauty right you know at the same time that we're producing oh hello hey (laughs) Gideon's joining us for a little bit she likes to come hang out with us while we're doing the podcast she's very friendly and she uh she loves to be on the show she's really starved for attention right here (laughs) she's the real star around she is the real star of the show for sure um Or, like, urban farming is, like, a relatively new thing, it feels like to me. Mm -hmm. I read a book about it a year or two ago for for an English class, and it was about this guy who was really seemed to be, like, first breaking into it, you know, and uh, trying to do turn these urban areas into sustainable, like, good food for people that needed it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a really cool vision to try to bring that around. Yeah. Um, I think it's super important. I've been working with the, the Erie Public Schools. They uh, each have their own garden space, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, I think it's mostly grant-funded, and it's it's just a wonderful project for these kids to come out. They have garden clubs after school. They do classes um, just to get them exposed. But not only that, is they can learn how to grow their own food and take that home with them. Absolutely. And I think there's a huge value in, like, working with the land and growing plants and i feel like it develops the long-term sense of accomplishment that a lot of people are missing you know what i mean because like at least for me i can only speak for myself but i like things like when i accomplish something when i do something i want it to be like instant and i Mm. want it to be done you know what i mean like getting that shopper's high when i order like a bunch of stuff off amazon compared to like growing a plant from the ground and yielding the rewards months later after putting in all that time and dedication and granted it might not be a ton of time but you definitely spend some time invested into growing these things and maintaining them and taking care of them definitely you can't hurry that process very much anyway yeah i Mm -hmm. wonder if it's like an out of sight like it's real good that these kids are getting to grow because i feel like it's an out of sight out of mind thing you know if you're not around a lot of green spaces you probably never even think about you know green spaces gardening uh things of that nature if it's never been something that's a part of your life Mm -hmm. then you probably never imagine it as something that you want to integrate in you know 
Especially when you're just picking stuff up from the store most of the time. Exactly. Right. That's you know, the norm. it just appears mm-hmm. on the shelf and bam, it's now in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's instant gratification too, you know? Right. Yeah. Instead of putting that time in and growing these. And uh, I'm sure that people are really love the products too, like the vegetables oh, yeah, and definitely. fruits and stuff. Yeah. There's something definitely better. I don't know exactly what it is or how to explain it, but... Um, like a fresh tomato that I grow in my backyard is going to taste probably two or three times more tomato-y and more delicious than something that I pick up at the store most of the time. Yeah, I find that interesting too. And I have this working theory that part of that might be because you've spent the time mm-hmm. with that tomato plant. Like you know it and it knows you and it, it knows the nutrients that you need and you've you've tended and nurtured it for so long that it's like... It's like your friend. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, for sure. It's the literal uh, fruit of your labor, you yeah. should say, you know, like exactly. in the most literal sense. For sure. And it's it's really beautiful. I mean, it's got, it is, a, I feel like it definitely is absorbing some of your energy. You know, yeah. they, they always say there have been like research studies and stuff about like talking to your plants and spending time mm-hmm. with your plants and how they'll grow more or yield more than a plant that's uh ignored and just given the nutrients that it needs right right yeah like uh, almost as if they're conscient conscious yeah sentient yeah they're like i'm gonna taste so good for you <laughs> <laughs> thank you for giving me all of this love all the things i needed i'm gonna make yeah. you happy too <laughs> and i feel like there's a lot of research going into finding plant consciousness and stuff like that these days yeah especially with definitely like funguses. Mm-hmm. yeah and plant medicine for there's sure something to it it has it has what you need. It's all there. Right. The right. earth always provides for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so what it was like one of your gardens look like if I was going to get one here in our backyard? That's a great question and hard to answer because they all look different. They all have a different feel. I really try to work with my clients um, collaboratively to see what they really want mm-hmm. and what's going to work for them and benefit them the most. So some people, like I said, have a vision of just really manicured, tight-looking, neat boxes with vegetables growing out of them. And some people want all of their vegetables integrated with the ornamental plants that they already have. They just, you know, I kind of want them to fit nicely in between. Um, so it's, yeah, the, starting out, it's a, it's a real process of working with the clients. What do you want? What kind of vegetables? What do you not want? Um, what do you want to, to look? To, pardon me. To look like? To feel like? Um, so then we then I sit down with them and kind of draw up the design. I'm sure the environment plays a big part in this too. Definitely, yes. So there are a lot of conditions that I look at, you know, sun exposure and orientation of the garden. Some people are like, I want my garden right here. And I'm like, that's not going to work. It's too <laughs> Sorry, shady. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but environmental factors, you know, maybe there's pollutants in the soil. So I try to keep that in mind. Um, wind exposure. If there's like a, a boggy patch, I might avoid that. If it's too wet, if it's too dry. Um, and then two things like access- accessibility. So if you're not going to walk 50 yards to go to your garden every day, it's probably not going to be well tended, you know, mm-hmm. um, if your hose doesn't reach out there. So we're looking at a lot of different things. So like I said, it, the gardens could all look very different. What, um, what yeah. about maintenance? Yeah. So, so I, oh, I feel ahead. like I would not be able to commit going to my garden every day. It'd be tough. <laughs> is that unless it's like right next to your door and you can just say hello on your way in and out every day yeah. twice a day you know? <laughs> but um, watering it and like weeding it every day is that is that really no not every day uh, mm-hmm. at the beginning it takes a little more 
care and attention and weeding just to make sure that the plants we want to be growing have enough sunlight and they're not um, being outcompeted by the weeds. But then after that, it kind of takes care of itself almost. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, long as it's done right, it sh- the, the, the world and the environment should sustain it, right? Right, yeah. I mean, I would say watering is key, especially in our dry, hot months of July especially. Um, I recommend watering very deeply at least twice a week. Mm-hmm. So spending like 15 minutes, like, oh, uh, I think for most people it would feel like overwatering, um, just to make sure it's saturated and, um, you know, is, is draining nicely. And that way the plants kind of have to fend for themselves in between the, those waterings. Um, you're good. Don't okay. worry. But don't worry okay. about what I'm doing. <laughs> Just you're you're doing great. Cool. Uh, that's okay. on me um, to make sure everything sounds good and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. You're doing awesome. So don't even worry about that. Um, so if you go out and look at somebody's garden, can you like identify what it needs? Like I feel like I see my plants sometimes after it's been dry. I'm like, oh dang, this thing looks wilted. It needs some water, and then it like turns greener you can like visually at least i feel like i visually see it turn greener yes are there some Mm -hmm. some things that you can see when you look at like a flower patch or like somebody's garden that a garden needs yeah i guess i'd say um the the vividness of the plants is a big indicator um usually they do just need water if they've started out in good soil Mm -hmm. so at the beginning of the season that's really the the crux um of making sure that the plants have the nutrition right out of the gate. Um, So I use, I bring in a compost actually. I don't work so much with the existing soil just because it's very compacted around here. It's it's a very developed area and it's either sandy or really clay-like. So I just assume that it needs some some TLC. (laughs) Yeah, and where do you, do you make your own compost? I do, but that's not what I use in clients' gardens just because I can't produce enough quantity. Right, Um, right. But I get my compost from a former landscaper who now collects the fall leaves from current landscapers around town. So they bring all their leaves to him. Mm-hmm. And it's just the best stuff. Oh, my gosh. It's like black gold. And I think he turns it with a tractor a couple times. Um, it's, it's just so fertile. And I'm like, this is the simplest thing. You know, we have so many leaves that fall around here right. with all our deciduous trees. And most people just bag them up, put them by the um, street to send them to the yeah. garbage. And I'm like, this is a vital resource that we could be using. Right. Be- peop- yeah, people just want everything to look as like sanitized and clean or like this image of, of what nice looks like. It's like a right. curated lawn with nothing on it. Mm-hmm. That's perfectly green with no dandelions it's or anything. No grubs. Yeah. 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 We actually just talked to someone who's very, very serious <laughs> about that exact About how image. his green yeah. perfect yard is. Yes. And a lot of people bag up their like lawn clippings too and those are also like a valuable resource mm-hmm. as well for keeping that grass green and healthy exactly i've started to look at grass kind of like um hay you know we use hay for so many things for mulch for animal feed and i'm like if we just let our grass grow another foot we could chop that down and use that it's almost like self-producing organic matter that we can turn back into soil um so, yeah, I, I feel very passionate about fall leaves, especially. Um, yeah, I try to save mine and use them in the, our compost. I also <laughs> will mulch. I'll mulch most of our stuff that grow, falls into, like, my front yard and stuff mm-hmm. like that and let it go around. And I feel like my neighbors may not like it very much, but I know that it's, like, and not that I know better than them or anything like that, but 
I could see in this neighborhood people getting upset that I have like patches of of leaves or whatever that are kind of grinded into the dirt mm-hmm. instead of like a manicured, well maintained yard. Right, right. But it's I, off the beaten path. It's off the beaten path, and mm-hmm. it, it's a my friend called it a pollinator yard the other day, and I felt like, oh, that's that's much better than me just thinking that I don't maintain my yard. <laughs> to take care of it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's that's nature's cycle. That's what the the trees are trying to do is replenish themselves every year, and. Uh, when they don't get that chance, it just everything kind of feels depleted to me. It doesn't feel as vital as it could. But that's yeah, that's just me <laughs> and yeah. my wild nature side. So, so if we grew a garden, what do you uh, help them with composting and stuff like that, or trying to? I feel like you probably do a lot of teaching and education to the people. I do, yeah, and I, I try to put out videos and content, um, just educating people about their their garden spaces and how to keep up with them. Um, do you a have, like, of, a YouTube channel? Uh, I probably do, but I haven't touched it in a while. So, so where do you, where do you put out there. your content? Uh, so on Instagram and Facebook, okay. mostly, okay. on my social media pages. So that way people can find Eat Your Yard. It's pretty yeah. easy, too. It's the first thing that pops up whenever I searched it on anything, oh, pretty cool. much. Yeah. So, oh, I also yeah. have a newsletter that I put out monthly, um, and that people can sign up for on my website, which is www.eatyouryarderie.com. So, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. And and what do you when if we're when we're growing a garden if we're growing a garden do you uh, help people decide what to do with it or do people ever say oh I got way too much or whatever and oh the produce yeah yeah um, I kind of just point them toward the you know the um, the food bank in okay. Erie really and then neighbors yeah or and and preserving too if but a lot of people don't quite have time for that and I wish I could find somebody with the time and inclination to help us preserve more of the food. Because yeah. that's something that I don't really know much about. I've, I've dabbled in it, but I wish, you know, I, I could preserve more. Yeah, so. so, like, that could be another aspect or whatever mm-hmm. for people who have Learned. way too many tomatoes or way too many cucumbers or whatever. Yes. Um, another service that you can another provide. Another niche. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Did, did you say you ever, you, you ever grew a garden when you were younger? Um, I kind of helped with, like, my mom, but, like, I really, I don't know how much I really helped or whatever, you know, I was, like, a young child, so I might have just been, like, playing with in the dirt while my mom was doing gardening, and i thinking that I'm helping, you know what I mean? Gotcha. So, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is, like the dark side of gardening or whatever but the whole time you guys were talking about you know saving stuff over i remember every time that i got involved with my mom like trying to help garden we always had uh our fun little uh you know woodland critters would always get a little bit of our vegetables and stuff it felt like you know it was a a kind of a battle to Mm -hmm. just have enough for us because we grew some tasty stuff yeah Mm -hmm. you know yeah, and they knew it too. They do. They're like, oh, nice <laughs> <laughs> tomatoes. <laughs> right, these right. are delicious. So, how do you manage the pests and stuff that come? That's a good question. So, I have my main ingredients of hot pepper, garlic, and onion, and I make a spray with those. Um, they, the animals don't like the taste of it, but I think it smells like fast food, which good it smells good to me sure uh, that doesn't always work though if the animals are very determined mm-hmm. especially deer and rabbits and groundhogs uh, chipmunks they'll take bites out of tomatoes and then just leave the rest so um it can be tricky i 
ideally, and this is something I picked up in Michigan. I was attending a workshop, and there was this old-time farmer there. He just was, he was just so happy, and he was loving his life sure. uh, every single day. And he said, we asked him what he, how he counters the, the pests, and he said, Oh, I just grow enough for everybody. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and it, that, that, I mean, that's hard to implement in the city, mm-hmm. I think. Um, you know, when we're, our space is limited and, and we put so much effort into what we're growing and our systems aren't quite self-regulating, you know, they require a lot of inputs. Um, and a lot of people are purchasing amendments from the store and compost in bags and things like that. Um, so I think you know, for the amount of effort and labor we're putting in, we don't really want all of that to go to the animals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they need a little bit though. They need a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, peace offering. Right. Peace exactly. offering. <laughs> yeah. That's why I kind of said like dark side though. Cause it's like, it's not instant gratification. You're not just going to the store and it's right there. So it's like, you know, you put the time and you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, it's growing. It's growing. It's almost there. It's almost there. Like damn and then rabbit. <laughs> yep, uh-huh. yep. Those rabbits. <laughs> Son of a bitch, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, fences work to an extent. I don't love the look of fences, but they, they do help. Um, any physical barrier to keep the animals out. I mean, there's, like, sonic... Uh, there's these machines that put out sonic waves that uh, apparently keep animals at bay. Hmm. I find that, like, coyote urine, or if you have a dog, you l- just let your dog do the work guarding yeah. the garden for you. That's right. You got to put him to work. I should put Austin to work <laughs> garden. He, he would do a great job at that. He would do. Yeah. He would chase all the animals around. Mm-hmm. He'd want to be friends with them, though. I feel like he would also just like <laughs> be like, okay, here you go. You have something, yeah. too. You'd yeah. go outside. Right, right. They're all just eating your garden. <laughs> right. Having a party without you. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'd have to send Gideon out there, though. She's a ruthless killer. She mm. looks tame on these videos, but she's our master flycatcher in the household and making yeah. sure everything hmm. stays stays uh uninfested from fruit flies and other flies that make it in and little spiders and stuff like that she has a Way good time to go. yeah she's a good cat um <laughs> so what do you like to grow in your garden uh whatever is left over from all the other gardens but i think next year i'll probably grow a lot more potatoes and greens because those are what i eat most of those are pretty staple uh, are, foods for me are you ve- are, do you eat a vegetable based diet I do not. I think um, sometimes I might like to try that, but I just eat a lot of calories. I'll sure. eat anything. Yeah. I don't turn much down. Yeah, me yeah. too. I'm the same way. But I do let, every now and then I like to pick out vegetarian or I'll have like a vegetarian mm-hmm. day or a vegetarian week or whatever. Um, but I think that human beings were meant to eat a variety of foods, you know what I mean? And I like a variety of foods, so mm-hmm. if it's not harming me, I don't want to really give it up particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you start all of your plants from seeds, or do you clone? How do you do your... Mm, good question. Um, I start most of them from seeds. Some things, like herbs, I find are a little more challenging. Um, they take a little longer. They have different germination requirements. So I, I've dabbled with herbs, um, but the perennial ones, I... I pick up from Stan's Garden Center. Oh, yeah. this is a shout out. I, we're just having a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then like tubers I pick up from the store as well, like well garlic and potatoes. So those you start from the clove or the potato itself. Um, but yeah, I have a rack with grow lights. It's set up in my grandma's basement. Nice. So that's been my, um, my home base for a while. And yeah, I, I grow a lot of different things. I try all kinds of different cultivars and varieties of things just to mix it up, and it's a lot of fun mm-hmm. um, growing 
more specialty things. Do a lot of people want like um, and like fruit trees and stuff like that? Yes. Uh, well, I guess I wouldn't say a lot, no. Um, but that is something that you do if somebody wants like an apple tree mm -hmm. as part of their garden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those are, yeah, they're less common for people to request those. I think maybe that's an issue of space mm -hmm. um, and, and care, too, um, over time. Do you do any public jobs, public gardens or whatever? Like, hey, we want to line this area with, because uh, I've heard of this in bigger cities where they have like food gardens that grow along the street or whatever that, mm. for people to eat, like mm -hmm. different fruit trees and things that'll grow uh, with really low maintenance so people can kind of just grab that live in the neighborhood or whatever or uh, are traveling through if you need a little snack. Do you ever do any projects like that? I'm trying to think. Um, not specifically like that, but I've worked with different organizations, um, some of them nonprofits, some businesses, um, to put in food gardens. So, I mean, people walking by could potentially take things. Um, I'd like to get more into that, and I think I'm hoping to promote more investment from the communities where those, you know, what patches benefit, yeah. or orchards. Yes, exactly. Cool. Um, just so that the people using the space can can tend the plants and reap the most. Like we said, if the, if those plants are producing f just for those people, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What about restaurants? Uh, yeah, I worked with a cafe um, on Peach Street and... The Tipsy Bean? Yes. Mm -hmm. Good for them. Yeah. I, I go there all the time. We're like right up the road. Shout out to Tipsy Bean. You guys yeah, very have nice. delicious coffee and amazing sure cupcakes. <laughs> so you help them with, uh, I love their garden name too, the G-Spot. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a women empowerment thing, and I just, I, it makes me happy to see mm -hmm. people doing stuff like that, and like, I don't know. Yeah, they've got some cool stuff up there, like grapes and hops and those boxes, um, blueberries even. I, so I helped them plant that initial planting a couple years ago, and I think it's still going strong. So. Yeah, definitely. I mm -hmm. love to eat, eat my coffee up there, and you see the... I think there's grapes and stuff out there right. too growing, mm -hmm. and yeah. it's cool to see that and be around that. And hopefully, they're using those to integrate into their their drinks. I think you they know? are, yeah. You know, their soups and they've got herbs and stuff. Going. Right. Yeah. Like a, a basil tea and stuff like that mm -hmm. is always mm. super good. And, cool. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so uh, going back more to like the the, the private side, um, if you got a beginning gardener. You know, if they're just like, hey, you know, get a hold of you. I want to try this. I've never really done gardening before. What's the, e is there like a, a easy level, like vegetable or, or, or plant of some sort where it's like a morale booster? Like, you, you, <laughs> like, like this one. Like, like, yeah. like Tony was saying with his yard, like in spite of yourself, what's like a good vegetable or plant to start growing that you can just like, it's probably going to work out for mm -hmm. you. Mm hmm think tomatoes and peppers grow really well well around here tomatoes they you know they get really unruly if you don't uh, prune and trellis them up mm -hmm. somehow uh, to support them but yeah they are they grow so readily and peppers too if as long as you're planting at the right times because um, they need a long warm growing season so those are good ones to start with kale is another great one in this climate because it's so cold tolerant so mm -hmm. it'll grow from like April all the way through the next April. <laughs> like right. sometimes it overwinters itself. Does does kale produce its own heat? Uh, 
Because I remember we talked hmm. about, I don't know if you were on this nature walk, but we talked about skunk oh. cabbage and huh. how it has, you have to like boil it a couple times to get this one chemical out of it because it produces so much heat, it will actually like melt through snow. Oh, really? Yeah, it was huh. really interesting. It was something that uh, our friend Ian talked about um, and how a lot of pints, a lot of uh, creatures won't really mess with it because it has like this, if you taste it, it's like really spicy and you have to boil it a couple times and change the water in order mm. to get that out. And then afterwards, it's actually very tasty. Interesting. But it produces its own heat through this chemical reaction that goes on to make this really spicy chemical that's inside of it. Huh. Um, so I was just wondering if Kale did something like that or if it was just like about sure. the cold. Yeah, I think it's about the cold. It just digs it. Cool. Uh-huh, uh-huh. There's so many different plants and so much different wildlife out there. You know, everything kind of has its own place. Yeah, so many nuances. Cool. Um, so the people that are getting gardens, are they are they a lot of them first-time gardeners? Maybe half and half. Yeah. Or maybe people who used to garden a long time ago and feel very rusty with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, most of my clients, though, are very engaged with the learning process. They really want to be involved in all the happenings of their garden, which is great. Yeah. Um, since they're the ones that see it every day. Um, and most of them are probably taking care of it, too. Yes, yeah. Some of them uh, have maintenance, so I come either every week or every other week. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, um, they're in the interim. Charge. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So then they build up. They, well, they ask questions um, that they've thought of during the week, and then when I do come, a lot of them are present, so I can kind of walk them through things, demonstrate, and show them so that they can carry the torch on. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Is it a lot of busy people, like uh, people that work? long hours or whatever and want to have their garden and stuff like that and don't really have the time to uh, do it on their own 100%. Yeah, some people like that. Um, some There's some retired people. There's some stay-at-home families. Um, then there's some people who have very flexible schedules or just kind of wonky, so they're, they might be there during the middle of the day. And then kids are home for the summer, so I do work with a lot of families, like I said, and uh, try to Show them the ropes. The kids are always very involved and like sure to learn as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so in when you're designing a garden, do you consider the ecological or like the sustainability factors? Do you know that certain things that work well with each other, like maybe if you're growing corn, it provides shade for a plant that enjoys shade and stuff like that? Yes. Yeah, I do take that into consideration, you know, what the plant will look like when it's mature and how that will interact with the other plants around it, um, different companion plants and guilds. Um, and then as far as the ecological impacts, I'm I'm always looking out for that kind of everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. But I would say it's, it's a little challenging um, to try to explain that to clients, especially who are used to those manicured lawns. Um, and then to try to implement some sort of system or you know different plantings that, that could help with the uh, ecological cycles and um, the flow of things. So I, I would like to get more into that. I also feel like I could learn up on it and study permaculture, uh, especially you know that um, relates to our climate, our our conditions, and uh, plants that grow well around here. Um, so just looking to nature to um, model that and Definitely. then and then try to get more of that going in, in backyards. So wh- 
why do you think that why are you so passionate or drawn towards this uh sustainability and stuff like that like what was the was there a, a motivational factor or did you hear or see something that you were like this is wrong i need to try and make a change in the world i think i was reflecting on this before i came in and i think it was something that i saw that was so right yeah like, yeah so this, this farm that i worked on down in georgia um it was set in rural georgia it was a, a pretty small plot i guess small it was five acres and they were expanding they were taking over plots along the street mm-hmm. um and it, it just worked so well it was about a 10 year old project so they had been building up these beds they had been producing their own compost uh for these 10 years and I, that's when i came in so i think you know i got there at the right moment when it was just starting to um, work together seamlessly, like I said, and it was just so beautiful. Every square inch of that uh, property was was just gorgeous. There was this big southern magnolia um, tree out front, and it kind of created like an alcove, like you could go in there, a little hiding spot. Um, we had blueberry bushes, and we had, like I said, pomegranates, peaches, apples, and then across the street, they were doing uh, mushroom cultivation. So, oh, cool. Yeah, so that was all a contained, regulated environment, and they would take the blocks from the mushroom um, growing and then compost those back into the garden beds. And they called it a market garden, hmm. um, but like I said, it was seven acres, well, five acres in growing. Um, we were growing cover crops, which is another really beneficial thing that I would like to implement more of What's, in the city. What exactly is a cover crop? So cover crop is kind of a transition crop between your food crops and the next season. Um, you know, a lot of farms will lay fallow some of their um, their plots, excuse me, um, for a year or so. So the cover crops uh, help streamline that transition, and they're uh, fixing nitrogen in the soil, some of them, so legumes will do that. And then they're creating mulch, living mulch, so you can chop that down and just let it decompose on top of the, the rows or the land there. Um, so it just it helps reintegrate organic matter into the soil so that the soil is replenished for the next crops. And how many people does it take to work a five-acre farm like that? Oh, good question. Um, like 10, 15? No, more like five. Five? five? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So an acre a person, roughly. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Cool. Yeah. And do you still talk to the people down there? Occasionally, yeah. Um, I don't keep up with them regularly, but I think about them often. And what was their motivation? Were they just trying to... They loved gardening, or were they trying to break off grid, or build, commu- have that sense of community? Uh, save the world. Save the world? I think more like save the world and community. So they were retired from a business, um, so they had a lot of time in, on their hands and the finances to support this project. And yeah, they were going green. I don't, I don't know what was the impetus for them, but mm-hmm. um, I think they had a whole library in their house full of sustainability and agricultural uh, books. So yeah, they were very passionate about that um, and just like returning the land to its glory. I mean, I, I think about the Garden of Eden a lot mm-hmm. when I um, am out working and just taking in all the beauty. Um, that So that like... That really helps cohesify things for me when I'm growing food and I look around and I just wonder at the 
the beauty and the majesty of the natural world. Um, you know, it, the, the insects buzzing and the flowers popping. I think that's so important. I mean, I, it, it's hard to bottle that feeling. But yeah. Anytime I go into nature, like especially something that's a, you know, like grandiose, like a like a state park or mm -hmm. a mountain or a forest or something that's really colorful and beautiful, it's just like, you know, that feeling of just like being connected to everything. I don't think people get that enough. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. I think that human beings were really meant to be shepherds of the land. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? We we're supposed to take care of this, the earth and. I feel like human, like, arrogance or ego or whatever it is has been, like, you know, we can just take and take and take and take so much, um, and we don't really have to give anything back, and we just use this as a, um, as a ways and means to get more instead of actually, like, respecting it and understanding that without these, um, this ecosystem, we really don't have anything at all. And I think that humanity's kind of done like a really poor job of that over the past few centuries, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's good to see people starting to respect that again mm -hmm. and respect themselves enough to put like good food in their body and to put time into the earth and the plants and all of those things that we probably should have been doing for a long time. I think all that natural stuff too is like, like you see like a garden you see the colors you see, you see that it's like a and i'm not a, like a doctor or a psychiatrist but i feel like you know it's like a depression cure too you know you see all the 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 grays and the 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 off colors fluorescent yeah. lights the fluorescent lights all the unnatural stuff especially if you're in like the city you know and then you know if you get a space where you can just like see all like this natural color it just always makes me feel better personally mm-hmm so it's like a, a, a cascading of positive effects for people. A little bit of a personal question. Did you ever have to um, deal with depression? Have you ever been depressed for an extended period of time? Yes. And do you think that working with gardens has helped that at all or changed your ideas about that? Absolutely. And going back to what you said about us being cut off from nature and the elements for so long, that disconnect really started to take a toll on me. And I, I mean, I didn't know what it was going on growing up. I had a lot of anxiety and depression. I actually had an eating disorder for a very long time. So I think that also pulled me towards food and nutrition. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's really, I mean, I can't attribute you know, my, my health now to working outside and with plants, but I noticed such a difference yesterday. I spent most of the day indoors. And as soon as I got outside, I was like, Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Back into a garden. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. It's very therapeutic. Do you spend most of your time outside? I, uh, most, uh, like an average work day, probably mostly. Yes. Out. Work day. Yeah. And then at, at night I come chill inside. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, warm up, clean up, and just rest in the comfort of, you know, around my pillows and things. So there's a balance. Um, but yeah, I, there's, I feel like people should be outside more. I'm, I feel so blessed in my work that I'm able to spend so much time outside. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could spend more time outside. I, I have too. like this really cool area outside, and I really don't use it very much. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a bummer. And I think that um, priorities are a very difficult thing to arrange because I feel like a lot of people say they don't have time for a garden or they don't have time to mm -hmm. go outside or they don't have time to do this or that but really it's it's prioritizing yourself and your own well-being over um, 
the path of least resistance or sitting inside mm, and watching Netflix and stuff like that. Yeah, it's easy and familiar. It's easy and it's familiar. It's comfortable. It doesn't take much energy or work. I also think that like dating way back, like humans really weren't meant to work a whole heck of a lot. Yeah. <laughs> We're a lazy that's creature, a, you know what I mean? That's another topic, yeah. Maybe not lazy as much as, like, more apt to be uh, the most productive when we work really hard in quick spurts. Yeah. I mean, you, hmm. when you look at, like, other alpha predators, like a lion or a tiger or uh, a creature like that, they're not hunting all the time mm. or working all the time. Like they're working real hard for little spurts and then they're just chilling. And then they got a couple days off yeah. so they need to eat again. They do seem to just lay about quite a bit. Right. Yeah. And and I think that humans are very similar in a lot of ways where we want to be able to just uh, sustain that. And I think this garden probably helps people with that in a lot of different ways, especially with like how much food is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's out of control. It's out of control. I feel like I was almost middle class for a little bit. And then the inflation's like, no, you're going to be poor forever, Tony. You're never going to get enough food. And, uh, hmm. and meanwhile, we, we do believe that the earth provides, right? I mean, I do. Yeah, but maybe yeah. I'm not taking advantage of it the way I should. Yeah. You know, during the summer months for like a five-month stretch, I would say I don't really buy produce. I mean, sometimes I'm craving a certain thing, like carrots, and I don't have that growing sure. at the moment. Um, but it's it's kind of nice to just be like, okay, I definitely want vegetables right now, and I just go out and find what's there, you know, <laughs> right. what's available in the moment. So that that's pretty special, and I don't even have that big of a garden. It's kind of like this overrun jungly corner of my backyard, but um, it's, I mean, it's not that big of a space, so it's cool, and I kind of like have to dig in to find, oh, where are these vegetables? A little bit of a treasure hunt. Yeah, exactly, and that's fun for me. That's fun. You can, can you get like, you kind of touched on it right there, can you get a decent amount of um, yield, I suppose, from a compact space? Because I feel like another thing is, you know, when I think of a garden, or or at least a you know a, a farm a, a farm you know i'm thinking of big spaces mm-hmm. like I, I don't have room for a garden yeah you know, i'd love to have a garden people think that you know i'd love to have a garden but there's just no space for it mm-hmm. so you know can you get a lot of yield out of a of a tight compact garden i think maybe it depends on your vegetable consumption and how picky you are like i said if you're just willing to eat whatever's available in the moment and then we also touched on this too. If you know what wild plants are edible, you can kind of supplement your vegetable intake with those. Um, and then I, I guess I would say too is the timing of things. So like tomatoes take months to ripen, but if in the meantime you've staggered other plantings like alongside the tomatoes, then you're you know you're able to harvest your lettuce first, and then maybe some onions, potatoes, and then tomatoes. So they might not all overlap, but I I would say yes, you can get quite a bit of vegetables over the course of our growing season in a, in a small compact space. Do you ever encourage people to grow uh, what most people would be, consider to be weeds? Like uh, I do. dandelions <laughs> or any of the other plants that we kind of learned about on those nature walks about do, the yeah. wild foraging? Mm-hmm. They haven't taken off as well as I'd hoped, but I do have one client that's requested purslane. Um, he read something about the nutritional benefits of purslane, so we're trying to get that established in his garden alongside more cultivated domestic crops. So, cool. that's so the fun. people aren't really like, oh yeah, I'm going to have a dandelion patch or. No. <laughs> 
sometimes I just let those patches go for a little bit until they say something. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. they're they're those ones are one of the lowest maintenance ones ever. Mm-hmm. I actually look forward to early spring every year because I make uh, yard pesto, which nice. is like dandelions mm-hmm. and uh, nettle and. Garlic mustard, garlic a good mustard, one. and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Maybe a little bit of normal basil and some garlic and all that stuff. And then I have delicious pesto for you know a couple months just yeah. from the plants that I do nothing with, but I'm able to uh, identify and know that are good. Exactly. That mm-hmm. knowledge is so critical. Yeah, it's so empowering. It's so empowering knowing that stuff, mm-hmm. and that's what you're offering to people, which is amazing. You know, it's really a beautiful thing that you're doing you know you're providing a service that like not only saves people time and energy but it provides them with the knowledge to continue to do this and to do this on their own so to speak Mm -hmm. i'm sure a lot of your people are um repeat customers but are there certain people who are just like hey look i'm gonna do this on my own now i think going into year three for some of my clients that I'm pretty confident that they can handle things for the most part, so I am looking to, you know, pass the torch, like I said. Um, but most people, I think, I think it takes a while to build that confidence. I was growing food for 10 years before I took on this business, mm-hmm. roughly. Um, so just building that experience over time and learning the nuances and uh, the trial and error and the experimenting. Um, because each plant is so different. So, you know, knowing its cycle, knowing the timing, know, knowing what it's going to look like, knowing when to harvest, there's so many factors that go into that knowledge. So, Right, and being able to see time. the plant and what's, like, what's working for it and identify yes. what it needs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it needs a more acidic soil. This soil is not acidic enough. And right. then knowing how to fix or repair that. Right, within each individual environment because right. yeah, it varies across landscapes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you said you br- you mostly bring your own soil mm-hmm. to start the gardens. You don't really use the soil that's around here. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a good way that? Well, we talked about leaves and grass and stuff like that. But is there a good way to enrich the soil that you would want to use it around here? Other um, than like the composting and stuff we already talked about. Yeah, I guess I would encourage using manure. I think that is a very beneficial input um, than straw or hay although with both of those you kind of want to make sure that they're not um, contaminated so they're not being sprayed with pesticides herbicides or depending on the cow's diet mm-hmm. but i'm sorry cow horse chicken rabbit whatever, whatever it might be yeah, yeah. Um, so you want to look out for that especially if you're trying to grow organically which makes sense to me mm-hmm. um why, why put all those toxins in our bodies if we don't have to? There's plenty of toxins we're getting from all other, all other kinds of sources. Right. That manure is causing like big problems too environmentally. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so that might be another good use for it. You yeah, know? another way to use it or something instead of letting it damage the, the water and the ecosystems that it's around. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Then there's also something called lasagna gardening or sheet mulching, which is... Uh, mm, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. It's not growing the ingredients for lasagna. Yeah. That, that would be a nice spinoff. Um, <laughs> you could. Why not? Why not grow right. plants and uh, tomatoes, peppers, whatever. Um, but it's basically layering organic matter in a, in a certain way. And this is all over the Internet. I mean, the Internet's great for this sort of thing. And it doesn't have to be... At, like specific, but you could layer manure, you could layer uh, shredded newspaper, 
paper, cardboard, your kitchen scraps. Um, that'd be a great use for what would otherwise be thrown out in the garbage. Um, peat moss, if you can, what, whatever. Well, I say peat moss, but that's usually um, brought in. So whatever you can find in your environment. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a layer of grass clippings because you just mowed your lawn that mm -hmm. day. So the idea is that it slowly breaks down over time, and you don't really have to like stir it up or move it cool. around. Mm -hmm. Cool. Anything that, that is going to break down would be good in that sheet mulch. What's like uh, on the cutting edge of gardening right now? What do you think is really starting to be innovative and take off? Hmm, that's a great question. I know a lot of people are into like vertical gardening. I was going to say that vertical is like super interesting to me. Like things that will climb up fences and things that are maybe on a hill side or whatever, so they all get light and can kind of work their way around. Is that something that uh, you've looked into it all uh yeah vertical gardening i i try to take advantage of anything that will climb i try to provide it with a structure or like you said a hillside that's already there um so using what exists in the landscape um but are you are you talking about like tower gardens like indoor i was thinking tower gardens okay. i was thinking more like like a ladder and climbing garden. things okay yeah yeah there's so many innovative ways to get plants to grow up structures. I mean, it saves space, right? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And it's better for the plant because that's what it wants to do. You know, if it if it gets if it stays on the ground, it might get soggy or um, bring up soil-borne pathogens and diseases mm -hmm. and not get enough airflow. So, it's it's reaching for the light basically. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that can look very artistic and cool. You can like pick stuff up off the side of the road. Like I've taken um, crib frames um, and le leaned them against the fence and had stuff grow up that. So there's a lot of cool things you can do with that. Um, what about like archways and stuff? Oh yeah. Cattle panels are all the rage right now. Um, cattle panels or hog panels are these, um, they can be any size, but I use eight foot by four foot length. Uh, they're fencing for animals and I just make it into an arch and, um, pin it into the ground and stuff grows over the, the arch over. Yeah, yeah yeah i feel like that'd be like a real good like wedding season type. yeah right people mm -hmm. like that stuff mm -hmm. and does uh that require like yearly do i have to like remove those vines after i'm done growing them for a year that's up for debate so if you want it to look clean i'd say take the vines down but you don't have to mm -hmm. um in fact if you just let it go through its cycle and break down on the spot. The vines will fall apart. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and also, over the winter, if you if you leave your plants in place, you know, they've died back by this point and they're brown. Um, uh, insects can actually overwinter in that. You're, you're creating habitat for insects. Um, and insects, there's good insects, there's bad insects, but I'm actually learning to love insects all around. Um, this is something new that I've learned just in the last couple of weeks is that I've I've fought a battle against insect pests for so long on so many different fronts. And I feel so bad whenever I'm like massacring insects because they're <laughs> destroying my plants. Um, but someone who studies soil science actually just informed me that bugs are actually doing us a favor because they're breaking down plants that aren't healthy mm -hmm. and humans ideally should be eating from healthy plants and bugs don't even see healthy plants like their visual perception isn't tuned in to find healthy plants so they're 
They're their just eating the dead. role in the ecosystem, their function is to eat the dead plants and and to, like buy a, well poop it out and you know return it to the earth so that it can be replenished. That's um, super interesting. Yeah, that is yeah. interesting, especially since uh, God, I, I, I don't want to call out the wrong insect here but <laughs> just for years now like i remember when i was going to penn state a few years ago like around the arboretum i want to say the lantern flies mm. uh, it's just like we need to eradicate these they're mm-hmm. going to kill our lives so it's interesting you know cause, yeah because it makes you know i just have this image of like just bugs just going after uh the just beautiful this, plants and my tomatoes plants and, and, flowers flowers and, and stuff. just like ravaging them and i think that's like a like you said, like a common image, you know, you worried right. about the bugs just the invasives. The right. invasives, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I've really had some beef with lanternflies. It's good to know. Good yeah, to they, know that the bugs are good people. <laughs> <laughs> because their digestive system, I learned, it it can't process com uh, like complex foods like we can. Mm-hmm. So its job is to break down the, the simpler. The I things that are already degraded. So yeah, to speak. exactly. Because mm-hmm. we can like chew and stuff like that, and kind of break things down initially, whereas they need would need um, something to be breaking down uh, organically or chemically already before they can digest it. That's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know the science behind it, but I I have studied bugs for a while now. I just find them very fascinating. Mm-hmm. It helps me get out of my mind to like tune into this little microcosm of a world and watch them move around their daily lives. Anyway, what's the bug? That, what's the number one bug? What's the most interesting bug right now? Oh, good question. <laughs> um, I've always been a big fan of ants personally. I think they're pretty neat. I mean, I'm, I, I like butterflies. Yeah. Butterfly, I'm trying to grow that butterfly, a little butterfly habitat outside. I'm hoping that those, uh, milkweeds start to grow next season and i got a bunch of butterfly bushes we had a ton of monarchs come by and it was awesome they like just hang out all over my butterfly bush and hopefully next year they'll be able to have like a nice little area to lay their eggs and eat Mm -hmm. and then they'll just keep coming back and there'll be more and more and more yeah i actually watched a swallowtail cocoon and emerge in my kitchen because this caterpillar was eating my client's celery so i'm like I'm not going to kill this thing, but I can't leave it here. So I brought it home. I had it with a vase of celery stalks, and I watched it munch down the celery and then cocoon and then turn into a swallowtail, and it was beautiful. Oh, yeah. So that was a lot of fun. That's such a cool experience. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I think a lot of people miss, mm. you know, is that, like, miracle of life. Yeah, right. That, that transformation and that change. And, like, a lot of people... I feel like at least myself like you know i didn't really think change was possible for a long time Mm -hmm. but being able to see like a physical manifestation of change occurring is probably something that's very intimate and powerful you know yeah it's inspiring i I actually wanted to share a quote um there's a japanese natural farmer uh he wrote a book called one straw revolution all about natural farming methods Hmm. in japan and he said, his name is Masanoba Fukuoka, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, but he said that the growing, so agriculture is not about the growing of crops. It's about the cultivation and perfection of human beings. Hmm. And I just love that because I've grown so much through this, I mean, my whole life, but specifically like through growing food and, and working with plants, I've transformed as a person. It's pretty right. incredible to look back on and, and reflect so yeah i mean there's a lot of different character building things that go on into building this garden you know yeah definitely and kind of letting go of control too and just letting Letting nature 
do its thing and, and trust the process and and patience is huge. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, just when things go wrong, just know that that's part of the process that's part of the too. Process. Mm-hmm. That happens. And it's letting go of it. Yeah. 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 A lot of people want to hold on to things when they go wrong, um, or rally against trying to change them which sometimes that's very important and good uh, but there's a lot of situations where you just need to sit back and Mm -hmm. let things be what they are for a little bit and eventually they'll change yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. even if uh you know the first handful of times they fail you know because that'll happen too yeah you know it's not like success you know success 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 and then you're like fail you're like oh i know succeed you know, sometimes it's like fail, 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 fail. <laughs> and then you succeed and you're like, oh, okay, that took a little while, but you know, it's, right, all, it's right. all part of the natural and process. You're learning the whole time too. Right. Mm-hmm. That's how we learn is from our mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> this has been really fun. Yeah, it has. Um, where, how, how many gardens do you think that you're capable of of taking care of that's also a good question i think about this a lot because i have been very overwhelmed in the past and i'm trying to steer clear of that feeling um it is inevitable sometimes but i had 23 clients in april and may and going into june and it was a lot Um, yeah and then for the regular maintenance i'm down to about 10 okay and i think i could handle a few more than that um, on a regular basis, but there is definitely a limit to how much I can do. Um, especially in the spring, it's very physically laborious. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of manual labor. So it takes, it takes a lot out of me and I realize I need a lot of like recuperation time. So I think it would be helpful to have, um, employees or interns or collaborators, uh, working alongside, um, just so you know, we could keep the morale up and yeah. the energy is not depleted. Um, and I think there's lots of people who would be interested in in doing this kind of work. So yeah, and yeah. having that sense of community is so big too. Yes. When you're all on your own, it, things get very scary. Yes, <laughs> which is another reason why I'm very grateful that we have I have other collaborators in this show like yeah. Dave and my girlfriend Celinda. <laughs> so it's not all just on me all the time to to do everything and. Uh, learning what a good pace is for me and Mm -hmm. what my limits are and a lot of times those limits change you know as we go on we perfect things we learn things we figure out how to do things better Mm -hmm. and are able to expand and grow and you know develop um new techniques to handle this kind of weight load or this stress i think the energy is contagious too if it's people that you know especially if it's like an intern or like you know some kind of you know, uh, work where you would get people that, that are interested in that, that wouldn't just be a job. Like, like with the Mm -hmm. podcast here, you know, not only is it nice to have people like helping out and collaborating, but just like, you know, the energy combined together with people that want to do the same thing. It's better to celebrate it in a group than by yourself. Or just like build you up, you know, because some days are kind of like, you know, maybe rougher than others Mm -hmm. or, you know, it's like you love what you do, but not every day is, you know, the best Mm -hmm. day of your life. So to have other people like, oh, let's yeah. Garden, you know? let's, yeah. let's go save exactly. the earth and you're just like yeah let's do it you yeah. know? <laughs> and it's i think every passion eventually becomes work when it becomes work too yes i yeah i've been learning the balance of that too you know when i get home from work i don't really want to go out into my garden <laughs> right um i mean some days i do so um 
just, yeah, it's figuring out how to maintain the passion through it all and not get bogged down by, you know, the, the business end of things. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yep. The mundane stuff or mm-hmm. the things that you're not looking forward to. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking forward to the day when this show becomes work, but I know eventually <laughs> it's going to happen because right now it's still really fresh and new mm-hmm. and we're having such a good time with all these guests and people coming on and we've had people listening and people are interested in coming on the show. We're like booked till mm-hmm. already into December, which is so oh, exciting nice. for us. And, uh, but I know eventually it's going to be like, Oh fuck. I think that's the point where, <laughs> and I might be wrong, but I think that's the point where, you know, the, the uh, downfall of success sometimes is you do your thing and then outside of work you become so synonymous with it that when you're off the clock, people are, that's what they want to talk to yes. you about. Mm-hmm. You're like, you're the podcast guys or you're, you're the, the gardening girl mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. So, like, people, when they want to start unique conversations with you, and this has kind of started happening with me, you know, mm-hmm. not, not crazy, you know, we're just getting mm-hmm. started, but just like, you know, tell me more about this how do i do this what do i need to do with this and then (laughs) i feel like the more successful you are the more people are just going to approach you in that way and that's exhausting in its own way too when you're not in the mode to receive that and you just want to focus on other aspects of life we're all multifaceted people and Mm -hmm. when one thing really starts to take over everything else is when I feel like you start to develop that a bit of a problem, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. An I think, internal problem. I think about people who are like, you know, unless they're just like real full of themselves or like, you don't want to be famous, you know, like you're like, I think of actors, you know, they do the acting and then they have these grandiose life, but then they walk down the street and there's 20 people taking pictures of them at all times of their life, you know, <laughs> which is obviously the pinnacle of like someday success. that'll be us. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that'd be that'd be cool and and like to be that successful, but I wouldn't want people following me all around. I would, I would not like that. <laughs> yeah, you, I like you, anonymity. Yeah, yeah. Do you get a lot of people asking you questions about uh, your garden? Definitely, and I feel like I kind of shut down sometimes, like I, when I said I'm not in the mood or the mode, and then I just have this like a generic pitch that I give them or this Mm -hmm. like um I'm just like "Uh uh-huh uh-huh great great yeah (laughs) it's hard to be on all the time yeah (laughs) it's very hard to be on all the time Mm -hmm. right and uh finding that space and giving it our best and understanding that our best is going to be different all the time you know what I mean depending on where we're at physically mentally emotionally all that stuff we ebb and flow all the time right everything kind of riding the waves waves. Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah um, is there anything else that you need to bring up or want to talk about? I'm sure there is more things that we could <laughs> talk about. Yeah, I have a couple people that I worked with that are like gung ho about permaculture and just like taking over their entire yards, their small urban plots with food and medicine and beauty and pollinator habitat. And I'm really excited to see what they come up with and to see where they go with it. One of my clients, she just told me that she took a permaculture course online and she's starting to work with local businesses to do garden designs for them. And she wants to teach. She's like, I'm dropping my career. I'm switching paths. And that excites me that there are people in town already, like, well on their way. Do you feel cool about being the inspiration for that? (laughs) (laughs) Um... I mean, inspiration comes from all over. I've I've wanted to homestead for a long time now. It's that's my goal uh, in the future, and 
yeah, just seeing people in action that, you know, they're, they're able to do it wherever they are. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really exciting. I see a lot of yards of around it. here too, that are, are inspiring, like mm -hmm. front yards and stuff that are just all like flowers and there's zero grass and there's mm -hmm. just flowers everywhere. Big, tall plants just bursting all over the place. There's a house down the road that has just like Ivy, like that's their oh, front cool. yard, mm -hmm. no grass or anything like that. Just the, a huge Ivy patch. And I, I Probably pretty think, low maintenance too. Yeah, I always I think it's imagine. pretty cool to see people, um, you know, breaking out of that norm. You yes. know what I mean? And mm -hmm. not eating that force-fed idea that, uh, and not that there's anything wrong with people that love their green grass oh, that's yeah. weed-free and all that stuff. But <laughs> it, I do, I, I greatly appreciate when people um, ignore the status quo and are ready to break out and do break something mm -hmm. that makes them happy instead of something that may make them happy, but um, is not exactly their their you know their thing their, their niche, alignment yeah. their their what they're called to do it's, mm -hmm. and it's funny too because because not everybody like but most people just like hate mowing their lawns too, <laughs> or like keeping it perfect you know so like yeah. well, you don't need to do it you, you can do some different things yeah i that's one of the things i really like about what's going on in my front yard right now is that i never have to mow it mm -hmm. i maybe mowed it like three or four times this whole summer and this is about as tall as it gets is what you saw when we were walking in mm -hmm. and uh it's it's definitely a thing like if you don't cut your grass all the time like grass is only going to get so tall especially when you're not cutting it all the time and um you know adapting it to that lifestyle where it's where it's got to grow where it feels like it needs to keep producing and keep growing and instead of just letting it be happy in a in a state of equilibrium. Mm, I like that word. Mm -hmm. Equilibrium. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I like that too. And that's what I'm like trying to achieve in the in the backyard and in the front yard is this happy little homeostasis. Maybe not homeostasis, but equilibrium between all the plants and the flowers mm -hmm. and the bees and um, letting everything kind of do its own thing and letting nature sort itself out. Yeah. Letting the biological warfare that is nature. <laughs> figure out what is the 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 top the top dog so to speak mm -hmm. the correct balance for this little plot of earth that is yours yeah yeah right. that you're right. stewarding Thanks. yeah yeah and it brings you joy, right? It does, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And every now and then I have to intervene because some stuff is just, like I uh, get a lot of goldenrod in my mm -hmm. flower beds which will I know overrun it and be big and tall and hurt my other plants a little bit so that human intervention is still nice and yeah. critical to to making sure things look at least um i mean they look good to me but i guess other people's stuff doesn't really matter but i don't also don't want to look like a slob you know yeah and that's kind of the beauty of it is that you get to tweak and tailor to your specific wants and needs absolutely yeah you're not you're not shackled by an hoa yeah. you can do what you want so you said you worked with uh, the mushrooms. They had a mushroom farm in Georgia. Is that anything that you're starting to branch into or considering? No. Mm -mm. <laughs> I had a shiitake log for a while that was producing a little bit, but I just let it go in the woods. Um, no, my, that's not really my specialty. Yeah. They yeah. take a lot of, from what I understand, growing mushrooms is very much a precise science. I think so. Mm -hmm. And you need, like, very sterilized sterilized yeah. environment clean air filtered no germs or bacteria or any of that mm -hmm. thing very sanitized um and it's hard to 
to maintain that in a uncontrolled environment like mm-hmm. a yard unless it's already like set up for that you know some people just have chicken of the woods or you know hen of the woods or whatever it is that they're looking for that just grow naturally already growing yeah one mm-hmm. of the cool things also about this neighborhood is that i have i see reishi mushrooms growing all over the place around here which is really neat very cool mm-hmm. yeah and uh it's, I don't think it's anything that anybody's ever, anybody's done or anything. It just happens to be that this area is good for reishi mushrooms and they've, um, propagated around here into mm-hmm. people's yards and on people's trees. And, uh, it's fantastic for me because now I have ready access to an amazing medicine, you know? Yeah. You know what you're looking at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it all comes from that knowledge and that learning, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Well, to us, this has been super fun. It has. Thank you both for having me on the show. Yeah. It's been a good check, time. Check out Tess on social media. She has a website, Eat Your Yard. Um, it's really cool, wonderful service. Anybody that may be trying to break into gardening or wants to have their own gardening, she's the person to ask, person to contact to get that sorted out. Yeah. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure you like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram and spotify and youtube and all of our social medias one of these times don't be afraid to come on twitch and and watch live watch live (laughs) yeah we're live streaming everything pretty much so we'd love to see you guys in the chat and interact maybe you guys have a good question for Tess that me and dave missed yeah so Mm -hmm. we'd love to hear from you guys more on that and uh i think it's a really great tool that we could use um you know so we love you guys thank you all for coming out and listening today um, all of our intergalactic, international, local listeners, you guys are, are what make this all possible. And I think we can add uh, keep us our, going. We can add our friends, the insects, to this. Yeah, uh, I'm sure there's yes. insects listening. <laughs> Thank you, insects. We appreciate you coming by and being in the basement. You're probably on the show right now, and uh, we appreciate that input. Uh, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. See ya.